You're listening to Life in Our Skin, a podcast created for women in the middle. Here, we discuss unique perspectives of our American experience living between the white and black communities. I'm Lisa Harris. And I'm Anahita Champion. Join us as we share life in our skin, raw and unedited. Oh my goodness, it's so exciting to see you again, Anahita. I love spending time with you and I love this podcast. I love so it too. What are you doing today? I love it. I'm great. We have more to talk about. And oh it's so funny much. because we've been chatting about all sorts of stuff for like, you know, eight, nine years. And Forever. <laughs> we've been talking about <laughs> we need to just hit record and record our conversations. And we just did that the other day. So we did. We did. We have- A little crazy. But crazy is good. Do you think we should do some BTS, like bloopers or something? We should. That would be fun. We have a lot of crazy bloopers over the years. Oh, my gosh. Listen. I don't know. We might scare people, though, Ani. <laughs> I will say, if people, okay, everyone listening in podcast land, if you would like to hear bloopers, let us know. You know, comment on any of our socials or Instagram or even the even the Spotify link and say bloopers. Yeah, we have some crazy bloopers. <laughs> but before we get into bloopers, I think we should um, chat with our sweet, sweet friend that's joining us today. Hi, yeah. Peachy. Hi. Hello, Anahita. Hello, Lisa. So glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're so delighted to have you. This is going to be such a great conversation. I'm excited to uh, get to know you more and uh, just hear all about your your life and your world. All the things. Okay, so Peachy, we're going to start from the early years. And this is, I think, probably our favorite part. People love hearing this. Take yourself back a few years to when you were like five, six, or your earliest memories can you tell us a bit about what young Peachy was like? Where did you grow up? What kind of things were you into? What was your family dynamic like? Paint the picture of the world of young Peachy for us. Yeah. All right. You have to go back a few decades. <laughs> Perfect. I wasn't going to put the number on there, but we just know that we're not five years old today. I was born and raised in Metro Manila, in the capital of the Philippines, home to millions and millions of people, a bustling city. And somehow, even though it was like that, I led a pretty sheltered childhood. I have um, my parents, we were middle class. My parents were bankers. It's very romantic. They had like the two banks where they worked in on their cake toppers. So that's how they met. <laughs> and uh, I have an older brother and a younger sister. And I'm very close to my sister. I felt like she was all I ever needed as a as a young child. Like I had friends, but they were just kind of cherry on top and we're still very close. Uh, she, Young Peachy, little girl Peachy was really little. I mean, Filipinos are a petite bunch, but I'm probably the tiniest girl in the 80s. But I made up for it with my big, loud voice. And I have like this core memory in kindergarten that um, I went to an all-girls Catholic school that the nuns would call Lourdes Maria if they needed something announced during morning assembly and there was no microphone. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I went by Lourdes Maria. That's my birth name. Oh my from, gosh. From kindergarten all the way to high school. But I've been known to my family and friends as Peachy since birth because if there was a nickname capital of the world, it would be the Philippines. Like everybody has a nickname and it doesn't have anything to do with your legal name, your birth name. They just pull it out of nowhere. <laughs> so mine was Peachy and I went by it um, through adulthood. I use it professionally. I'm still using it right now. And you only see my birth name on like the paperwork. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. That is so true. And so darn right. Hilarious. <laughs> I think of, I will, well, well, Go ahead, Anita. <laughs> I can't. I can't spit it out. Did you have a nickname, Maria? Uh, Maria, Lisa. <laughs> I did. I did not. I mean, because I'm I'm mixed, but my mother did have a nickname. I mean, her nickname is Ninen, and it has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> what is her What is her real name? <laughs> her real name is Florida. My mom's real name is Florida, and they call her. Okay. Ninen. Because my mother, know. my mother was Imaculada. Her nickname is Baby. Yeah, I mean, she was the youngest and she just went by baby up yeah. till now. And I also have uncles who are named baby because yeah. they were the youngest. <laughs> That's so funny. So That's funny. So okay, I so love that. Your birth name is quite beautiful. Your birth name is very beautiful. So you said you were petite and full of personality and always wanted to be always picking up for my size. Okay. <laughs> so I went to an all girls Catholic high school and then I was thrown to the wolves and went to college in the state university, a bastion of like activism and like extreme beliefs and personality. So that was a very interesting experience, but I, I, I loved my time in college. I, um, I studied broadcasting and I eventually went on to work in radio and TV when I graduated. And those were really fun times. And I moved to the United States when I was 30 years old. Wow. So I'm older. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And we were chatting earlier a little bit about that, that it's it's really great to have this conversation with you because we've had so many guests who have come to the States in childhood or they were born here. And even more recently, I think we had a guest who came here for college. And so for you, it was definitely much later. Um, maybe share, I, I think it would be great to learn and hear a little bit about what it was like for you coming to the States. You know, when you came to the States, were you um, already married? Did you have children? Maybe share with us a little bit about that, that move and, and some of the discoveries that you had. I had a, I, I was already married and we actually moved to the United States for my husband's residency. He's a physician. So we're not big overthinkers and planners. And this was never in our like plan so much so that he actually talked to my mother before we got married to say that um, he kind of knew that my mother had like this dream that maybe we could immigrate to the U.S. or elsewhere. And he said that if we get married, that is not going to happen. 
And then fast forward two years, we saw ourselves in New York City <laughs> for his residency. So it's like never, never say never. Because my parents right. actually tried when we were little to see if life in America would be for us. Mm -hmm. So they left us with their grandparents and they tested like living in the East Coast. But they just decided that it wasn't something that was a good fit for us. So my my husband kind of knew that my that was in the, the back burner of my mom's mind. And uh, since we're not really big planners or overthinkers, the opportunity just presented itself. So yeah. he took his residency in New York City and we had one child. She turned two on the plane on the way to New York City. Oh. I, pay, I paid full price for the, the plane oh, ticket. Oh, no. I'm like, couldn't we have just gone like the day before? <laughs> so we packed all our belongings in eight uh, luggages and boxes and what's kind of funny is that you have like this balik bayan box it's like a box that you fill with American goods and then you send it to your family in the Philippines and we did the opposite we yeah. put everything that we own in the balik bayan boxes because we did not want to bring eight pieces of luggage and then we flew to New York so we did the opposite thing with everything that we could pack like we packed our lives and then we started a new life in New York City Wow. And where can I ask how old you are today? I am for turning 48 this year. Wow. Oh, been here 18 years. And we've lived in New York City, rural Tennessee, and then Minnesota. Hopefully our forever home. Wow. Okay. So you've gone multiple different regions and all of those areas are drastically different. Wow. <laughs> and um, each, you know, each each move really added value to our family life, to my life, because they were so vastly different. Oh my gosh, I'm getting like emotional now. <laughs> I'm <just> gonna <laughs> cry now. You know, PT, thank you for sharing those little pieces. You know, I think um, it would be really interesting to hear maybe some of, we were talking earlier before we jumped on is, you know, what is that, we do talk about the transitions, they're beautiful and, and and they brought something wonderful to your family and, and they're markers, right? But they're also, you know, these challenges along the way. And I'm, I'm curious of, you know, what was it like to be, you know, a new immigrant and a mom and, you know, bringing your, your culture and your tradition and, you know, meeting new people, like what was that all like for you in all these different places, um, you know, because, Women in the middle have have um, unique experiences that not everybody understands. So I would love to, you know, to hear more about that for you. What did that look like for you? Well, we lived in Queens first, probably one of the most diverse areas in the, the whole world. But it was still quite a transition because like I had I left a career when I was in the Philippines but I'm very lucky to have had two of my dream jobs. I worked in radio and I worked on TV before I turned 30. And I never really looked back, but I get asked, like, did you, like, do you have, do you miss it? Do you regret doing that? And I'm not really a person who does regret or who looks back. It was just a decision that I had to make. And I also hate the word sacrifice, but I acknowledge that it is a privilege to say that, that I, really try not to use the word sacrifice. It was just a decision that we made as a family and um, to start a new life here. And I had my two-year-old and I think probably one of the biggest transitions for me was that 
in the Philippines, you have really, you have your family, because we did not have family in um, in New York City. We had like um, distant cousins uh, who were able to help. But, you know, it, I had a career, I had, we had a nanny. So we had like, I did not know how to do everything in the house, how to manage a household. I did not know how to cook rice, which is a big thing that I had to learn. I did not even know how to fry an egg. <laughs> so I think that was like, that was, that was, that was a big deal. And just raising a child and staying at home all solo with the help of my husband, he was quite busy because he started his residency and yeah. schedule was really whack. It was like crazy. Yeah. Yeah, a little less crazy than if you were in Manila, but that that was that was quite a transition. And I think there's also like how to raise a child, but making sure that she she has that mix of Filipino and American. I usually don't overthink it. You just do it like day to day. Like yeah. we have like to decide like, are we going to speak Filipino at home? So she learns it. And eventually we decided not to, because funnily enough, I felt like I was actually losing my English speaking skills because I had to use it daily in the Philippines. And here I am at home with my two-year-old and she is speaking Filipino at school and they don't really understand her, even though a third of her class was actually Filipino. So we just kind of like decided that, um, all right, we're going to start speaking more English at home and she can understand the language but she doesn't really speak it and then our two other children probably understand less so we had another child in rural Tennessee and then we also had one um one, a daughter in New York City so that completed our family mm -hmm. uh you know I it's it's um hard to listen to you because I hear my mom mm -hmm. um not, I mean, she's quite a bit older, obviously, but she came here um, as an, as, you know, as a full immigrant in her, she was 19. Um, but what I hear when you, when you share is the struggles that she had on how much to assimilate and how much to hold on to, how much she's lost um, and how much she's gained. Like I, I hear it so deeply in just your story and it is a journey that is unique to immigrants of all different countries that come to this to this country, you know, in their 20s, 30s and 40s, um, having raised their whole life, you know, somewhere else besides the United States. So um, I don't know, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I, how do you feel now with um, are there things that your children say they, you know, they love or they they wish they knew more of or anything like that that um as a mother that's an interesting question because i was just talking about this with my eldest so my eldest is now in college so the verdict is still out about how effectively we had raised them like how much filipino-ness and how much being american and she said that uh, she kind of she has joined she joined a Filipino organization. So now she has met people who were actually raised in like California in a very deep Filipino cultural pocket. Yeah. And she can see the advantages and the disadvantages. And the verdict is still out. But the feel that I'm getting is that I shouldn't regret raising them the way that 
I raised them. I always think that I probably raised them more American because I just wanted to assimilate from language to culture to traditions. But when I look back, I, I, I there is like a lot of Filipino in their upbringing. It's not like in your face. It's with the food. It's with the storytelling that we have during dinner. It's it's a lot of the little things that I didn't realize that we were doing. So, so far, so good. <laughs> oh, I think that's, that's, I am literally crying over here, you guys. Yeah. Now, before it was my eyes were watering because they were watering when they woke up this morning. And I told you I put Visine in them, but now I'm crying. I just, um, it is, I think it's really um, challenging. And I think you're doing an amazing job. And I think all the women out there that are trying to introduce and intertwine culture and history and family um, with what it means to be American. And I think you're doing an amazing job. And I don't think there will be a verdict. I think she'll discover herself in the way that's right for her. And I can feel that because I feel that with my daughter at that age and even my son, right? Like who you are um, isn't solely that. It's also, you know, what you learn about yourself too. Um, that is so interesting that a moment ago, Lisa, you heard your mom. I did, I did. And now I hear my experience because I was two when we moved to the US from oh. And so as you were saying that, I was like, oh, that's cute. And then all of a sudden I thought, oh my gosh, wait, that's me. And so when we moved here, I was two. My siblings were th 12 and 13. So they hardly, they know, they did not know a lick of English. And when we, I, I think my parents spoke a mixture of Farsi and English, probably more English because my siblings needed to learn it. But growing up, I understood it. I could speak it. I could write it. I could read it. I went and learned. But growing up in my teens, 20s, 30s, and stepping into 40, I wonder if there's a, like a study that can be done with people like your, your eldest and myself. Because as a mom, to see your children, all three of them, do you, would you say that they have different experiences based on? I think where they were at, at yes. the time of their life and where we were, because like our, like we have a child who had her toddler years in Tennessee, and then we have a child who was two when we moved to Minnesota. So yes, and like the interest in language, we never kind of like pushed it, but now like our are my my middle daughter who is um 15 and my son was 12 a uh, 13 he is like the, it like their interest has peaked and then i feel like oh is it too late to teach them how to speak filipino maybe at like a certain level that they're conversational but i feel like maybe we can still do it so i'm not as i said earlier i'm not somebody who looks back or like thinks about like what I regret, but maybe I have a little tinge of regret that I didn't stick with speaking Filipino at home because I feel like, oh, their brains can handle it. Like it's not like, because there was a little bit of pressure when we moved to um, New York City because my 
child would speak Filipino and they couldn't understand her if she would cry and she said punas and it's like wipe like wipe my eyes and like they just oh, couldn't understand her yeah and I'm like oh because I do know some Filipino families they did such a fantastic job it's like no English at home yeah it was yeah they easily learn English like uh, outside the home but yeah. it's a hard choice it really is a hard choice and I can I can completely understand and and um yeah my my mom didn't speak to us in the home and my grandmother came to the states when I was I think fifth grade and my youngest sister was born when grandma was in the states so grandma spoke to her in Cebuano and so my youngest sister understands it but she's the only one um and so again we were at different we were all born at different times in my mom's like her own journey of becoming American right. and then having family can't coming to the States kind of added more culture to our home. So it, cha it changed, right? It all changed over time and you can did I, all the right things. But I it ask, is interesting for people to hear that, you know, it's different. Yeah. Can I ask about your motherhood journey with each child? Um, specifically, I guess I wanted to start with food. What foods did you make? What Filipino foods did you or did you not make and then send them to school with it? Oh, okay. And what so was that response? This is like? actually quite a journey. Because <laughs> when I read about like immigration stories or like uh, middle school YA books that have like uh, immigrants in them, you usually portray the food as like you open it and then the classmates say, oh, what's that smell? Or, <laughs> but you know, I have never actually, my kids, like they didn't experience that. I feel like I am the bomb in making lunch. Like <laughs> everybody has like a ham and cheese sandwich. They're, they open their thermos and then they have steaming hot rice and then <laughs> Filipino barbecue. And everybody's like, Ooh, ah, what is that? <laughs> it's been very important for me too. To I feel like I don't know if what I'm gonna say is something that some people might not agree with, but I feel like I have a responsibility to make known what my culture is, whether it's through food. Basically, I do it through food. Yeah. So every every Christmas, we actually throw a Christmas party. And we invite the families of my kids' friends and uh, mostly non-Filipino. And I cook like real Filipino food and not just like what you usually know, like noodles, pancit or like egg rolls, lumpia. I cook like sisig. It's like uh, the pork that is marinated in citrus and lime. So a little bit like kind of more hardcore. So yeah. they find out like how good it is and and. I think my kids think it's pretty cool. I think my goal in raising them was just just make it known to them that they are actually not different, even if, you know, they are like the color of their skin, like their ancestry. So I guess that's why assimilation was very, very important to me. Yeah. Just don't want them to see color. Yeah. And what's amazing about their generation, like I feel like the younger they get, I think like they, they really don't see color. They just see their friend as their friend. They don't see them as Caucasian or East Asian or Indian. 
and I I just love that about them because I see color and I think it's very sometimes I don't know like I always ask them oh this friend of yours is he put that that's white or <laughs> he like Asian is he like you know like and sometimes I think they find it odd that we ask that question but I'm like very stuck with with that because yeah. I immigrated this here myself yeah. but yeah. I think they see less color well it's very inclusive is what I'm hearing and it's not um like you're not they're not making their friends feel like they're outsiders or even feeling like that themselves which is a, a, a beautiful advantage another another privilege i guess people can say and do you feel like they have a sense of pride maybe now that they're in their teens and college years or how do they walk i actually see more more pride as they get older and that really makes me very happy and kind of because <laughs> um uh, even if like i didn't raise them like like the way I was raised because it's a different experience so yeah. um, sometimes I worry that am I doing a good job because I was raised very differently you're doing like, an amazing especially, job especially for Filipino girls like sometimes you are raised to be I don't know if it's still the same back home you are raised to be polite almost to a fault and then you move to America where there's so much value in you know, speaking your mind, even if you are not called on or so I worried about that. And then I see my girls and I see my son and they're so confident. And then, you know, they, they speak up because that really is how I was raised. It's like, sometimes you don't speak at the table when you're eating and when you're in school. And I went to a very conservative school too. So for all those years, I was just taught, like, just be polite, like, don't rock the boat, don't be a disruptor. And then you come here and, you know, like being a disruptor is a good thing. One of the, one of the things that I love about being in the United States, yeah, like, like uh, speak your mind from the littlest things to the biggest things like if you're on the phone with a customer service agent like if you were like if i were in the philippines like you don't complain you just take it like as what it is maybe it's changed now but here little stuff like that to big stuff like when you have an issue in school you can speak your mind even though you're talking to an adult so just things like that and i see that even though there's a few things that um that is very similar in the way we brought them up. We kind of, I, I knew I, we needed to, to raise them to, you know, like um, speak their mind, like, because we are in the United States and that's how you do it here. Don't be afraid to, you know, be, be told that you're not being polite or you're not being like a, a good student. You just have to, you know, say it like it is. I, I think that. we're all crying now. Yeah, we're all <laughs> crying now. I mean, oh whatever. <laughs> oh, this has been such a great conversation. I I'm really appreciative of you being very open, vulnerable, and just sharing the experience that you've had and and immigrating here and all the impact. And oh, I just um, I feel grateful. Thank you for sharing so much, Peachy. Too. This was <laughs> wonderful. 
Is there anything else that you want to share for maybe others that might be in some sort of a similar boat or maybe doubting themselves on their motherhood journey um, as immigrants or interracial marriages? You know, I can relate to a lot of what you were saying in the realm of, you know, I'm a bomb mom, but how often do we say that to ourselves, right? Yeah. Even Lisa's over here saying you're doing a great job and I'm nodding yes, but I hope you can praise yourself, but you know, my daughter's half black and half Iranian and I don't speak much of Farsi. So what can you say to other moms on the similar journey? I think there's no formula. You just, you just do you, you do what feels right for you. You do what is a good fit for you. And it's actually good fit for each child because each child is also different. So you just do you, don't worry about all the outside things, even though you can't help it. That was just what I was saying earlier. Yeah. So I think there's really no formula. You just trust yourself. I love that. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Peachy, for being our guest today. Oh, I just love chatting with you. And we've been trying to get ourselves to have lunch and I look forward to that day too. Um, so delighted that um, we met. Gosh, I don't know how many months ago, but um, so delighted to have met you. And thank and you. Thank you for. And I'm so glad to meet you, Anahita. Yes. <laughs> And now everybody else listening knows a little bit about Peachy's story. Um, are you connected on the interweb for folks that might want to connect with you? Oh, and I listen to the podcast. Oh, this is the question that I can't answer because they that's answer okay. You don't no. have to. Not everyone wants to be. <laughs> that's perfectly fine. That's perfectly fine. Right. I have a little profile and listen to your mother. So that's there's that okay perfect there you we'll go. share that with we'll be watching like all the other shows to see lisa and you know <laughs> like hear the new women uh come in every year telling their stories that's extraordinary well thank you again um lisa it's always a pleasure chatting with you my sweet friend uh, for everyone that's listening thank you again for chiming in with us here on life in our skin make sure you share this episode if something felt like it tugged on your heartstrings and we will see you and you will hear from us next time <laughs> bye, bye. <laughs>